Good feedback is always a good thing. Speaking of feedback, we're back with another Guitar Shed podcast. It's episode number 28. And with me once again is co-host New York Roll. How are you today? It may rain again. You know, we got a little bit of wet weather going on around here. Yeah. <laughs> What's that stuff? It just makes the weeds grow. I know it. Corn's dead, so it won't help that any. Yeah, farmers <laughs> probably just want to go full drought for now to yeah, fully try it so, out. Yeah, they started harvesting last week. Yeah. So. They were harvesting down there in southern Tama County while I was riding down there a couple times. Yeah. And what's south of us? Benton? Yeah, Benton. Benton and Tama. Yeah, they were harvesting last week yeah. of August, which is freakish. I really shouldn't call it harvesting. They were doing their test cuts. Right. You know, they cut the perimeter. Yeah, they, they test it for yeah. moisture and yield yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah, that had an interesting interaction with a farmer driving a 8R4 tracks, which yeah. is a John Deere tractor, which I know nothing about. Um, it was interesting. Uh, I was going down a series of B roads, and he was just just plowing right behind. Not plowing, but he was just coming on behind me. Yeah. And then I pulled off into like a little farm drive. Um, and he gave me a thumbs up, like, Hey dude, thanks for being courteous. Huh. You know, he wasn't coming on me fast or anything. Yeah. I think he was thinking what I was thinking. I was thinking, well, I'll give a little bit more gusto on this sec- section of road and then he'll turn. Right. Yeah. Cause why would he want to go down a B road? And he was probably thinking, well, I'll throttle back here and let that guy turn. Cause why does he want to go down a B road? Yeah. You know, so. And a B road in Iowa is a MMR. Dirt road. Yeah. Minimum, right. minimum maintenance road. Yeah. Uh, East Coast, I believe they would call them seasonal. Is that what they call them out there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, where I grew up in Western New York, they're called seasonal. Yeah. It's a gravel road, but seasonal. Yeah. It's, hey, we only do X, Y, and Z during the Uh good good times. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I want to let everybody know we're going to have a special guest in a little bit. Yes. So... If you hear some noise, that'll be our special guest joining us on site, not on the phone. Correct. So I won't spoil it. Yep. <sighs> but uh, in the meantime, we can talk about um, last week I got to ride with an individual named Jason Boucher. Uh, shout out to Jason for coming down to spend some time with me. But uh, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about Jason. Okay. So you know him from Salsa Cycles. I know the name. I know the name from your blog. And, yep. So yeah. he used to run that brand for Quality Bicycle Products, who owns the brand. And then he left Salsa and became a manager over most of their bicycle brands, I yeah. guess, before he left a few years ago. But what a lot of people don't know is he was the, well, let me back up just a little bit. Everybody knows Salsa Cycles was the first manufacturer to make a gravel-specific bike. And uh, Jason Boucher was the guy who pretty much uh, instigated that. So that's something a lot of people don't know. So I just wanted to put that out there because I think a lot of people should know that. Yeah. It's important. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. Salsa has a pretty good uh, track record of 
people who have left, not bagging on salsa, but people who have left salsa and gone on and done some cool things like Tim at Esker, yep. who also has terrain tires and he started off with Advocate Cycles. Yeah, that's first what called, first, yep. Yep. Which is where the Hey Duke was originated. Originated. That's why the Hey Duke was forever. I forget. Hey Duke forever. Whatever they etch into the mainstay or the yeah. chainstay on the inside. That's that's why where that comes from. Right. So, yeah. And then Jeff Frain left Quality Bicycle Products. He used to run All City, and now he runs Wild Bikes. Yeah. W-I-L-D-E, I think they spell it. Yeah. I mean, if, with how these guys go with their careers, I mean, if Mike Reamer ever left, he could have his own, you know, national marketing group. Yeah. You know, he would be a, he can, you know, start an oligarchy of marketing. <laughs> oligarchy. Now you're using words that our listeners probably don't know. I don't uh, know what that is even. I don't think he ever <laughs> monopolized that one. I, th- I think he could, he could, uh, he could be a marketing baron of the old. There you go. Yeah. Like a railroad baron. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. get it. I think right. he'd be kinder. Yeah. And enjoy fishing more. That's right. He likes yeah. to fish. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, our guest is here. Yes. So we have with us today, uh, Morgan Osgood, and we want to talk to Morgan today because you just started riding gravel. Yes, I did. So uh, we want to find out your viewpoint on that and what you think about riding on gravel roads and everything. But before we get to that, you're a cyclist. Oh, I think I use that term loosely. You know, I'm a... Uh, just a hobby cyclist, you know, right. I, but you ride, bi- you ride yeah, bicycles. Yeah. 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 I yeah. get out there when I you've can. done, you've done rag, right? Haven't you? Yes. A little parts bit of rag, right? Parts yes. of rag, yes. So yeah. But I actually started rag, I think when I was like 12. Yeah. And I've done a few years here and there. Um, but yeah, it was a, an interesting introduction into, you know, the sport, I guess yeah. at 12 years old. Right. Yeah. Now you're, I guess I would imagine your dad could probably be, was instigator of that. Yes. Cause he's a yeah. big, big, Both my parents at the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So you're not unfamiliar with bicycles and you're not completely new to the thing. Right. Right. Yes. So that's what I wanted to try to get across there. So, uh, how, how was your introduction to gravel? I mean, did you, where did you hear about that? I mean, you're from Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. So you knew about gravel roads. Yes. So that's not unfamiliar to you, but wh- where, when was the first time you heard about people riding on gravel roads? Uh, I'm trying to decide if that was, it was either through my dad or through Dave. Um, I, I actually, I, I learned recently that my dad started to gravel, right? Gravel riding with Dave. Okay. And so, uh, one of those two, but, um, I didn't start riding until, um, Dave introduced me here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's talking about my co-host here. So in my role. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) We use nicknames. Who knows? Uh, so what did you think about that? Did you think that's really dumb or did you think that's kind of cool or what what was your, no, I did think it was really cool. I like the idea of being out there a little bit more, uh, secluded areas yeah. and a little less traveled and um just seeing different parts of of the state of the country so yeah, yeah i was interested in it were you okay yeah, it was a new challenge something i i wasn't familiar with too okay right so that's cool and uh you recently just participated in a actual gravel event for the first time is that right <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> so uh what did you think about that well um 
It was a difficult one for me, yeah. I would say. I have actually very limited uh, gravel experience. I think I've been out there on gravel roads maybe four times max. And it's yeah. been, you know, a little stint, you know, like four to eight miles here and there. Yeah. You know? yeah. And then uh, a few weeks ago, Dave just forwards me an email and says, you're in, you're in for Colesburg this year. Yeah. And I had been in the middle of a move and work travel and everything like this. So I hadn't been riding very much. And I thought, oh, well, okay, we'll, we'll see how this goes. He, and he signed me up for the, the short course. Right. And I thought, all right, we'll just, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. You were open to it. I was open to, I was hesitantly open to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's back up just a minute here because you said you've only been on gravel roads, like maybe a total of four rides before this, right? Yeah. So what were those four rides? Like what, what were you getting out of riding on gravel from those first four rides? Uh, as in like, uh, what did you think about your experience about it? I thought it was, we didn't do anything that was, you know, obviously not too long and not, nothing too difficult. So yeah. I was comfortable, fairly comfortable with, um, you know, without knowing what I was getting myself into. Yeah. 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 So you thought it was okay. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. I figured, you know, like I'm fine. I, uh. I wasn't too worried about it. Okay. He was kind to you when he took you out there. He didn't like leave you in the dust or. No. Okay. Well, that's good. That's well, good. <laughs> she, <laughs> she got the stigmata out of the first ride. Mm-hmm. She was like. She started on a really good bike. Yeah. 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 And her dad was shaking her head at me like, dude, you just lost that bike. And I'm that's like, true. yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's like people used to get on my case about road cycling because the, my first road bike was a, an Italian road bike with campy equipment on it. They were like, you're, you're cheating. You shouldn't mm -hmm. start on the best stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was like an impromptu ride and her dad wanted us to go ride with him. And I was like, well, you know, I was looking at doing some gravel. He's like, well, I got gravel out the back. So yeah. we went for a four mile loop that day. Yeah. And another local rider cat was pissed at you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cat Porter was like, she can climb fat better than me. This ain't fair. Yeah. And I was like, cat, all she does is squats all day. So, yeah. 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 I think that was last year. It was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Cool. So the first four rides were, weren't any big long rides, right. but you, you yeah. know, your introduction was easy yes. and, and yeah. you were okay with that. Yeah. And so when you got to this event at Colesburg, uh, what was your expectation? Uh, well, all I had heard was, um, you know, David said, there's one big hill, but other than that, I, you you should be fine. It's only 25 miles. Actually, it's 29, 30 miles. <laughs> um, and that's really all I heard from people is that there's a couple big hills and yeah. then, and then you should be okay. Yeah. Right. So I was, uh, that was my only concern was getting through those initial hills. Right. Uh, and then I thought, all right, we'll be smooth sailing from there. Right. Now, had you ever been to anything like a cycling event before? No. Like well, that. other than to just to watch Dave. Okay. To, um, well, you to know, a gravel one, no. Right. Not right. to gravel, but, but I've been, I've, you know, done some support on some other rides that he's done. Okay. Yeah, but okay. you've, you did bike the shore in uh, Chicago. Mm -hmm. We've done Tour de Paris out in Paris, New York. Mm -hmm. 
You really, really hate that those, one. And those are road rides, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you've been to some different cycling events, not yeah. necessarily just gravel. Right. So when you got to this gravel event, what was the vibe like to, in your, from your perspective? Was it like some of the things you'd seen before or was this different or what did you think? I would say it was similar to Perry in that it was a similar size. Um, and you know, a nice little park for everyone to gather at, but, um, it wasn't too intimidating. Okay. Yeah. I felt, you know, you felt welcome. I felt welcome. I knew some people there, so that was nice. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And there were other women there that yeah. that kind of might yeah. helped a little yeah. bit. Did it? Okay. Actually, another uh, local rider. Um, I didn't know she was going to be there, but we ended up riding together that day, and and that was a big help. So yeah, yeah, it was nice meeting up with some people that I knew. Right on, cool. So now the event starts, and you get those that first big hill, mm-hmm. and how did that go? Mm. not so well it was just it was bigger than i thought it was going to be right right no i thought it was going to be a big hill but it just kind of uh kicked my butt yeah yeah. and i will say that um i just i felt you know a little bit uh going into it i felt a little bit uh apprehensive because I wasn't quite as physically prepared as I had been Uh in other years. Okay. Just because of um, my schedule recently. You've been busy. I haven't been able to ride as much. Right. So those hills really got me. Okay. The first few. And then, you know, I kind of thought, oh, this is, you know, we're 13 miles in. We got those big hills out of the way. It's going to be smooth from here. Yeah. Um, And the challenges just kept coming. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I felt, you know, right. and, uh, different terrains that I wasn't, uh, yeah. it is different out with. there. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, there's nothing flat. Right. First of all. Right. Yeah. And I think naive me thought, oh, we'll get through those first few hills mm-hmm. and then we'll get to some flat bits. Mm-hmm. Oh. And their hills are different than they are around here. Correct. You're still in Iowa. Yeah. And all the training I've done, um, mostly this year has been it in and around Chicago. So very flat. Right. Next to Lake Michigan, there's yep. not much for yeah. a hill. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, that must've been kind of an eye opener. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to say something there. Yeah. Like what did not help me with her at all was when people were coming up, reminding me that I won the Colesburg oh, one yeah. year. Yeah. I was like, actually, no, I didn't. I got fourth that year on a fat bike, <laughs> you know, but that did not help the case because yeah. that was brought up to me a couple of times by Morgan. Oh yeah. <laughs> what was your intentions on bringing that up? Morgan? She was not having yeah. a good moment. You're not having a good moment. Yeah. Uh, I see. So you, you kind of had, you, were you angry, just frustrated? What happened? Oh there? yeah. I felt like I had been conned into something that I, I wasn't prepared for that. I, yeah. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. So yeah, that, that all went back yeah. to, uh, that, my frustrations toward, uh, toward poor Dave here. Yeah. Yeah. So, I would have caught poor. Yeah. But he kind of knew what he was getting himself into. Yeah. He should have when he signed me up for that. Yeah. And, uh, so he knew it was going to be, yeah. he was going to be frustrated. Yeah. And I also don't think the heat helped at all. Oh yeah. It was hot then. Yeah. I, I think, think it, it was like I, 90s that day. It got yeah. to 95, 96, I think. Yeah. It was in that yeah. dry, hot spell that we mm-hmm. had. And we That's didn't right. start until 11. 11. So, oh, so it was no cool morning to right. enjoy. No. Yeah. No. I got you. Okay. So what are you, what, looking back now with, you know, 2020 vision on the whole thing, um, 
what would have made that better in your eyes? Had had there been a better event description maybe, or what would you say would have helped you out? I, I didn't even read the event description. Okay. It, okay. You know, I just went based off of what um, Dave had told me and what I had heard from some other local people that were writing. Uh-huh. Um, actually, when I told my dad that Dave signed me up, he was like, oof. Good luck with that one. Uh, so. <laughs> Maybe that should include you in. Huh? Yeah, I know. Like, oh, I'll be fine. It's the short course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would say, um, just for me, just personally preparing a little bit more, training a little yeah. bit, and um, you know, riding a little bit more, getting working on my cardio a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So as far as the handling of of the, now it's challenging there yeah. from a bike handler's mm-hmm. uh, perspective because you have speedy downhills yeah. on loose gravel. Yeah. What did you think about that? Oh, that was actually surprising because uh, Dave had warned me uh, to take it easy on the downhill. I thought, sure, sure, okay. Yeah. But I didn't realize how, you know, you get, it's a little shocking the first till yeah. you go down and you're like, whoa, you feel a little, um, I felt a little, very nervous that I was going yeah. to lose control or something. Yeah. You know, not safe. Yeah. 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 Made you but feel. But actually by the end of the, by the end of the race, I felt a little bit more comfortable. Okay. Yeah. What, what helped with that? Just the, the initial shock had worn off and now you knew what to expect or. Yeah. It was I think more so. that. Yeah. But I, I wasn't uh, quite prepared for the, the farm roads that we were on. Yeah. I thought that was a little bit more nerve wracking looking back. Yeah. So yeah. there were some downhills that were a little sketchy. The, the farm roads right. were uh, level C's. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, so even, even more rustic than our level B. Correct. Be, so right? for the listeners, level C's is a road that is closed by the County. That is still, they're maintaining the right away. The County's maintaining the right away. Right. And you are officially trespassing. If you cross the gate, um, on either side, you're right. officially, you're, you're on private land, but the ma- county's maintaining the right of way. Right. I think it's the best way to, we can get into a real legal jumble, yeah, but that's the cleanest. But this, this event had asked the Correct. local landowners if it would be okay to, because yep. the land, local landowner or whoever's adjacent to the road kind of has control of that. Correct. That mm-hmm. access then. Yep. Yeah. So, so was it. Were those rutted or were they were yeah. in real uneven? Real and then, yeah. Yes. Yeah. More and, like mountain biking almost. Right. right. Yeah. And I have very, very limited mountain biking experience too. Uh-huh. So, and I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for it. I didn't know that it was coming. So, um, that was a, a nervous area. For yeah, me. yeah. 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 I, I've been on some of those. And then if you're going downhill and you're mm-hmm. picking up speed and, mm-hmm you see a big rut and stuff and you can get overwhelming because everything's coming at you so fast. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So that's how I kind of see those too. Um, yeah, you gotta be really careful on those Mm -hmm. farm roads like that because, Mm -hmm. um, the ruts sometimes cross the road at weird angles and you have to be able to jump those and, or navigate them somehow without crashing and you're going nearly 30 miles an hour so (laughs) there was one that even had me uh puckering up a little bit um i was riding it was that last one we did Mm -hmm. before the um we rode point or the tent at the bottom yeah right there Mm -hmm. it was uh, yeah so it was probably about mile 20 
No, because my yeah, mile twenty five. Because yeah. at that point, you just make a left and go up by the Boy Scout camp mm-hmm. and you finish her off. Um, I was riding the center of the grass, the median, right, and that was the cleanest line. And I was just waiting for something to be in the tall grass, <laughs> right? Because you yeah. don't know what's in it, right? Right? They don't mow those. And yeah, stuff you're riding like blind a little bit, so yeah, I was very hesitant. I was thinking about turning around and going back up and I was like that actually probably creates more of an mm-hmm. issue yeah you know so it was one of those you just hope and pray for the best but her and Elizabeth came out together so that worked yeah we were yeah. behind Dave, or we yeah we were um a ways behind Dave and so I was on my own just trying to figure it out yeah <laughs> and that did that make you feel frustrated oh, or you well, angry I mean, or yeah I was frustrated yeah. the whole time but yeah for for different reasons at each at each point each point yeah right so you came out of that. Yeah. Now how far are you almost done at that point then? Or you got a little more to go yet? Yeah, yeah that, that was the end of the difficulties. Mm-hmm. It kind of started to smooth out a little bit for you after that. Mm, yeah, but then it was like, I, I knew we were getting close to being done. Yeah. And um, then it was just like nonstop rollers all okay. the way back in. Climb, yeah. descend, climb, yeah, descend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I call them the three sisters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now you're done mm-hmm. and you're rolling into the the venue. Uh, what were you feeling at that point? Relief. Just yeah. relief to, for it to be over. I was, I was actually glad that I, there was an opportunity for me to bail at some point. Right. Um, and I just told myself that I'm, I'm already out here. I, I need to finish it. Yeah. And so I was glad that I did. I was I was relieved uh-huh. that it was over. Um, kind of coming down off that adrenaline high and yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, um, so you persevered. You kind of talked yourself through this, right? Yeah. But you had that other lady with you. Mm-hmm. That seemed to yeah. help. Yeah. yeah. You kind of shared. Her, I said thank you, Elizabeth. I'm so glad you were here. Yeah. It just helped my um, my my mental state for to have someone there, you yeah. know, kind of riding with me at yeah. the same, uh, level that I was at. Right. So, um, yeah, I think it was just, it was helpful to have someone in there in the trenches right. with me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So now that that's over and behind you mm-hmm. now, what's your perspective on a gravel event like that? As far um, as maybe doing one again or, you know, people have asked me if I want to do this one again. Yeah. I said, well, for my first answer was no, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah. But, you know, n- you never know. Ask me again in a year. Yeah. We'll see what, what's going on at that time. Um, as far as gravel in general, I'm, I'm open to it. I'd like to yeah. keep riding. Yeah, we rode actually a section of uh, the High Trestle Trail this last week in the gravel section. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was fine. That was nice. Yeah, yeah. So I think if I just, you know start slow and yeah and build my way back up maybe i'll be ready to ride colesburg again yeah okay what's a what's an important what's important to you coming at this from a new rider in in the gravel uh sector and then what's important to you from that standpoint and being female what's what do you what's what would it attract you to an event to want to do an event like that Um, I don't know. I, I would say, um, 
I would want to do another event that was maybe something, maybe not specifically geared toward a beginner, but something that's known as like a, uh, or would be recommended for a, a newer rider yeah. on gravel. Um, something a little less technical, I guess. Yeah. Just to start. Right. Um, So if the if events had um, like a party ride option, well, I, I, what I'm thinking of, what I'm hearing you say, Morgan, is if I look at an event description, mm-hmm. um, is it what category or type of an event is this? Is this one of those that's going to be like crazy with a lot of technical sections and up and down, like Colesburg mm-hmm. was for you, mm-hmm. or is it going to be something that's a little bit more? Um, casual beginner friendly maybe that's kind of where yeah. you want to go yeah. gravitate towards that start there yeah and then and then go f- build up from there yeah mm-hmm. so i i think what i'm hearing is that um when people list out events calendars maybe it might be kind of advantageous to categorize the events and have the event directors maybe help these calendars kind of stick them or if they have a category or a course where it's geared more like that, mm-hmm. that to feature that more. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Coming into Put it. Put a note in there and saying, this is, yeah. you know, a great race for a beginner rider. Right. Um, yeah. I'd be all for that. Cause I think that overarching philosophy for a lot of gravel event uh, promoters is like, well, this is uh gnarly, you know, yeah. huge challenge, you know, and, and which is fine. It's, yeah. I mean, that's good to have that out there for people, but when that's almost the only thing you see, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. that, that may be off putting to someone like you yeah, who doesn't really well, want to jump in the deep end. It's so. even off putting to, you know, seasoned rider. Right. I, I know of RDs that intentionally go make the hardest course they can make. Right. And it hits big the first year. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then year two, well, why didn't anyone come back? <laughs> well, you know, you're yeah. you're throwing in for every 10 miles, a thousand foot of climb. And right. we're not in the mountains, bud. Right. You know, so it's, 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 um, even for, even for seasoned riders, you know, there's difficulties mm-hmm. and levels that they're willing to accept and not accept. Right. Right. So my question is, do they, when they advertise um, these races, do they have any kind of indicator as to the level of difficulty? Or Not like always. Or rating? Yeah, there's really no rating system, you know, because, mm-hmm. well, first of all, uh, um, gra- gravel, you can kind of blame me for that partially and some of us that started this whole thing out uh it was kind of like the wild wild west yeah (laughs) so everything is requires a lot of research on the participants you know um on their side because you can't just go to an event calendar and go easy medium roast you know dark roast (laughs) espresso (laughs) um so it'd be kind of nice if that was the case Mm -hmm. but um you really have to kind of dig into these events and go oh they've got a course that's short that's you know the profile of the courses looks okay now some events do that Mm -hmm. you can look at their website and go oh here's the climbing profile for this course 
Uh, if you see a lot of jagged up and down and you see the, the elevation gains huge, you're like, well, maybe that's not going to be where I want to go. Yeah. Uh, if you see very little elevation gain and the course profile looks okay, that might be where you want to go. Um, sometimes they'll describe the roads, you know, so you know that, well, we have a lot of this dirt road stuff and it's crazy or not, you know, maybe our gravel is finer like if, if you're a southeast minnesota gravel event you could probably say hey we've got this really fine gravel it's easier to ride on uh or you're in iowa or kansas and the gravel's like super coarse and deep and difficult to navigate and that might be you know something you might want to say in your your but see the thing is a lot of event promoters don't want to say anything because they might turn somebody off right. and those are that's money you're not going to get right so it's it'd be almost impossible to get that. It'd be nice, but it's almost impossible yeah. to get that done unless somebody independently went and rated everything, you yeah. know, then you could probably get it done. But gravel's too crazy. I mean, there's probably, I'm going to guess, but last time I compiled an event calendar, there were 600 events and that was before COVID. And I'm, I'm guessing there's probably closer to 700 in the nation. Yeah, and we can't even standardize rating for single track. Right. Yeah. You know, um, for mountain biking. Right? Yeah, because they they rate it like ski slopes. It's mm -hmm. general to your area, right? So if you have a trail system, it's your diamond that you may have is the most difficult trail section you have. That's the most technical for your area. But if you go ten minutes down the road to another park, well, your black diamond at your park is you know. A right. green. Right. Right. You know. So Yeah. Now a lot of events this is this is another thing I kinda wanna get your perspective on, Morgan. Um a lot of events have a big push for uh women's par participation, LGBTQ plus kind of stuff, um, inclusiveness measures. Uh, is that something that you think is cool or Yeah, I think that's you great. Like that? Yeah. Okay. I think it's great to be inclusive to everybody mm -hmm. and to try to grow the sport and in all areas. I, yeah. I, I think that's really yeah. nice. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think gravel on, on its own, just as from the very beginning has been fairly inclusive, but they're making even more efforts to do that now, with, especially in the bigger events. In what ways? So they, they try to make, um, <sighs> they, they, well, well gravel has always been equal pay. Yeah. It's been, always been on a, you know, women and men are always on the same footing. They did mm -hmm. same course, same pricing, same, same time, start time, same start times, mm -hmm. you know? So that was a big deal because that hasn't been the case with mountain biking or road racing in the past. They've always had different courses, different times, different payouts, you know, we never did that. So, but now they're trying to like make, make a more obvious reach, to these different groups. So it's not like they just open the doors and go, yeah, here's our gravel event, sign up. You know, they're saying now, no, we have a category, especially for non-binary people, or we have, you know, a special group ride before the event for, you know, the uh, gay and lesbian community, or we have, you know, we're, we're trying to bring some minorities to the event and, and they have different initiatives. I know some people have, uh, you know, special pricing and housing deals for people who can't afford, you know, from a financial standpoint yeah. to get to these events. So there's lots of things going on, which I think is really interesting from mm -hmm. the standpoint. You don't see that in other yeah. types of cycling. 
so much. So you like that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think it's um, I think it's important, especially if you you uh, you want to promote the sport to to a broader community, mm-hmm. make them feel included and right. and welcome. Because yeah. it was important. The re- the reason I wanted to get your perspective on that because it was obviously important that you saw other women at Colesburg yeah. and you were able to ride with another mm-hmm. woman. And had that been not been the case and you've been kind of a lone wolf there, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been a, nearly as much fun. I right. Mean, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I would probably finally be getting out of the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there would have been damage. Uh, he was lucky I had to go on a business trip right after. Yeah. Right after. He had time to cool off. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then the Italians made you mad even more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll happen at work, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, as far as the equipment that it takes to do gravel and the bikes and all that stuff, uh, is that intimidating for you or do you understand that or? Oh, I don't really understand it. And I've asked for, for my, uh, you know, bike maintenance 101 mm-hmm. class with Dave and it, it hasn't happened yet. So okay. I've, I've, been I've got wait- a lot to learn. Yeah. I've been waiting for the collect up to put them on. And I was just going <laughs> to, it's easier to outsource some things in your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We do do that at where I work. So maybe that'll be something we can get going and you can come down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, is that kind of intimidating for you that you don't understand all some of that stuff? Yeah, and, a little bit. Yeah? I'd like to know more. I feel, um, out of my element, just by not knowing, you know, what I'm riding on and terms and about all the gear and everything, I'd, I'd like to have no more. So you say terms, so like even the vocabulary that cyclists use yeah. concerning bikes and bike parts, mm-hmm. that's like, what the heck are you talking about? Yeah. What the language is this? I've picked up on, on things here and there, but I'm still... Uh, I'm still confused on, on some terms. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Uh, I like that, that, that you shared that because that's been my viewpoint mm-hmm. on a lot of, you know, people coming into cycling in general, they run into seasoned cyclists and it's mm-hmm. like, they're meeting somebody from a foreign country that yeah. speaks this other language. And they're like, what are you talking right. about? And standing around before and after the race talking about your, your rig here. And I'm like, yeah. No. I don't know. And so then you don't kind of ask feel, me any questions. So then you kind of feel like a third leg over yeah. here. Like, you know, what am I doing here? Yeah. And yeah, it's important to uh, understand that. I think from the standpoint of just anybody that goes to a cycling event, because you maybe if you see someone kind of, you know, hanging out in the back there to bring them into the community, you need to speak their language. And help them understand what you're trying to say, right? So, I mean, if someone would would take you, like if you showed up at an event and someone saw that you maybe noticed that you were kind of like not engaged, right? Because you don't know what's being talked about and said, hey, how you doing? What's up? And maybe at that point, they would have been able to help you kind of navigate through all that and go, what are they talking about here? I don't get it. You know, well, here, I can show you some stuff, you know, and mm-hmm. maybe it would have been, oh, great. Now I, am, I feel like I'm more part of things. Right. Yeah, I think that's really important for all of us as cyclists to understand because we totally, totally have our own language. Yeah. Like, like, you know, golfing and fishing and all these other things have that as well. So it's important if we're going to grow the sport to, I don't want to say it's education. I just want to say it's acclimation. 
Right. You know, acclimate people to cycling. Uh, Because you desire to know it. Mm -hmm. You you desire to communicate in that way. But you can't because it's so, so... freaking confusing right yeah. and it's it's a little intimidating to get started too where do i start and, right um, you know, yeah cycling 101 yeah for sure uh i wrote up a whole series uh beginners on gravel on my blog okay you I'll can check go that back. out I'll go back <laughs> and <read> the blog. <laughs> it's under the header there bog so <laughs> yeah because i realized that you know yeah. um when I used to run Trans Iowa, we would get people that would show up and uh, have trouble riding on the gravel roads because there were certain techniques and things that they didn't know. They had no idea, you know. People were wiping out, crashing and stuff, and it was super easy stuff to prevent, If but they just didn't have the, the, the knowledge of that skill. Talk you know? about a beginner race, huh? Trans-Iowa? Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> Why were they showing up at that? But, you know, I, you, you don't know if you don't know, you know. Right. So, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I had people show up that I thought, what are, what are they doing here? And they'd finish. Yeah. You know, but I always chalked that up that they didn't know what they didn't know. Mm-hmm. So, they somehow muddled through and got it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I like that. Um, you know, and here you're, you're you, again, going back to the beginning, it's not like cycling is foreign to you. You've. Mm-hmm been cycling you know what a bike is you know how to shift and all those things it's just the the real technical stuff that right yeah and then gravel when you ride gravel that's important stuff to know like you're talking about tire pressure and how big your tires are and you know what chain lube do you use and blah 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 so that's stuff you want to learn if you're going to be adept at riding on off-road you're digging me a grave mark uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Do better. <laughs> you want to sign me up for gravel races? Yeah. You, you told me I'm no longer allowed to do that. This might be the last <laughs> podcast that New York rolls on. <laughs> I'm the new host now. <laughs> no, I, I was excited to have you on today, Morgan, because of these things. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah thanks I, for having me. I think... Um, that uh we have a lot to learn mm-hmm. as far as gravel event promoters people that just go to those events in general because as we all know there's more and more and more people coming into the gravel scene all the time it's one of the most popular forms of cycling in the united states it's grown one of the only things that's growing in the cycling world that and e-bikes um so you know uh if you don't, if you go to a gravel event and you don't think there's someone like Morgan there, there's somebody like her there at every one of them that we need to start reaching out to and doing better. We all need to do better. I'm picking on <laughs> you, but it, I need to do better too. So, <laughs> so uh, is there anything else you want to share about your gravel experiences? Well, I hope that this is uh, just the beginning. You know, yeah. I'd like to get some more experience and, and you never know, Dave, there might be more gravel races in the future. Um, but just getting out there and getting some more experience. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Well, that was Morgan. So we'll probably talk to her again sometime in the future. But uh, for now, that'll be that segment of the podcast. All right, opening another can of bubbly here.
There you go. Yeah. I'm doing too much talking, so it's your turn. Um, <laughs> should I talk about my 12-speed shifting project I've been working on? Yeah. All right. So um, I want a 12-speed mechanical shifting group set, right? Okay. For gravel. Mm-hmm. And I was researching SRAM 12-speed hacks, and I came across a company in England called Ratio. And I found out that I could take an 11-speed or a 10-speed shifter, replace the shifting cam in it, and then inside the actual shifter itself, which took me about 30 minutes because I had to watch the video five times for the springs and install. Mm -hmm. The uninstall went quick. It was the install, playing with the tangs on the springs and all that and making sure, you know, not popping anything out and losing a spring type of thing. And then I had to change the cam on a 12-speed rear derailleur. Uh-huh. So the little plastic thing, the cable routes through. Yeah. I had to change that out. You're talking about a SRAM derailleur, by the way. Yes. Yeah. I, I had to change it. I used a uh, X01 Eagle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got all that done. Um, I've gone on a couple of rides so far, and I cannot tell you what the difference is between those modifications and probably any other groups that I've ever had that was yeah. not modified. So it's, it shifts great and shifts great. Um, the issues I am having is the cable is stretching out a little bit. Sure. New, um, new setup. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I just got to play with the tumbler a little bit and I think mm-hmm. we'll be dialed. Um, I did this on the stigmata that I also called the stiggy. And Morgan identified it last weekend on our ride down near uh, Des Moines. And I think I'm going to be buying another set soon. Uh, (laughs) Yeah? Yeah, she saw the big pie plate and was like, you, me, you, me, pointing between our two bikes. So I have a feeling I'll be doing that. Um, They do have an option to take an existing 11-speed rear derailleur and change out the um, cage. Yeah. So you can get that 14 and 12 jockey wheel pull. Okay. Um, They do have that option, but all said and done, I was in and out of this for probably about $100. Right. And then I had a I had a mountain bike uh, rear derailleur laying around. I had that X01 Eagle laying around. Uh-huh. Um, now I just have to go buy a cassette because right. I took it off my fat bike. So... Um, all in all, so far it works great. Hmm. Um, no complaints. I'm running a 42 tooth, uh, driving. Yep. Yeah. Driving chain ring up front to give you a, an idea. Um, I did this for that race in New York. I'm going to, okay. The Cameron crusher, Cameron crawler, sorry, Cameron crawler in uh, Bath, New York on the 8th of October. Um, I did it for that. I think if you're doing rule of three, It'd probably be a killer setup for that. Yeah. Um, but what I really like it for and what kind of drove it is um, I like to move that all over to my twin six um, FSU for my bike packing rig. Okay. So that gives me a more of a bailout gear on that. Yeah. And I could probably run a slightly bigger chain ring on that. I could probably go from a 34 to a 36 tooth on that. 
and get more top end speed while also getting more, you know, bottom end climbing uh, ability. Yeah. Extend your range a little bit. Yeah. So all in all, about an hour later, everything was set up going, go, going well. Wow. Yeah. So never doing it before, I could probably get that whole process down to probably about 30 to 45 minutes now. Any special tools needed or... Um, just your Allen's and your Torx. Uh, I believe it does take a 1.5 Torx wrench, uh, head on, cause you have to get into the, you have to get into the shifting housing on the, yeah, um, that's kind of an oddball. Yeah. Tool. So yeah. I happen to be an oddball guy with oddball tools. Yeah. Um, it has been catching fire around here. Uh, a couple of people saw me with it. They're like, what you're doing? What that, that exists. Yeah. So I think if you have some parts laying around and you want to go 12 speed, I think it's an extremely viable option. So you did it on a SRAM mm-hmm. uh, shifter. Yep. Is there anything for Shimano? Uh, I knew they have stuff for taking a SRAM shifter and making it work with Campy. Is it? Eckar. Yeah, Eckar. 13, on, yeah. Yeah, I keep on wanting to say Eckcat, and I know that's not right. <laughs> so I always pause. I'm like, eh, mental check. <laughs> um, but yeah, they do have it. They can go that. Um, Shimano, I do not think off the top of my head. Okay. I do not think so there's So it's more any, for the SRAM folks. It's more for the SRAM. And also, again, if you wanted to go campy, 13 speed, you mm-hmm. can do it with the SRAM shifter. Okay. Not positive on the rear D on that one. You may have to buy the campy rear D. I'm not positive. Yeah. But if you want to use like a uh, force cross, uh, force one rear derailleur, they'll sell you the tumbler to insert um, because you're going to need it. Mm -hmm. Um, They do have modification kits for rear derailleurs for mountain bike to uh, road shifting. Okay. Because, you know, on the mountain bike ones, you have the wheel. Right. You unscrew that off and you put on a tumbler kit. Right. So, or a tensioner, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, there, that takes you like all three minutes. Yeah. That. You, the risk you run in any of that is losing a screw. Yeah. That's the one thing about SRAM derailers are fairly modular as far as the bits on it. So, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, overall, I, I really like the product so far. Um, I think it's a cheap, good shouldn't call it cheap it's economical way to repurpose material to go in a different direction than you're already at do they have a ratio kit for us like a sram flat bar shifter i'm gonna say just for drop i think it's just for drop bar off the top of my head okay i've perused the website but i'm not not an expert okay all right i think it's called ratio technologies i think okay i'll put the link in the show notes yep you were even impressed the other day when you saw it You're yeah like, huh yeah looked like it was fairly well thought out um and i've heard of them before yeah. you know um so it's nice to know that it's not like super crazy hard to to make it all work once you get the kit yeah you showed me some of the bits that you were going to swap out and they look like they're well made yeah. so hopefully it holds up all right yeah and so and the videos were really good and yeah. the videos are actually you have a smartphone it's wicked easy yeah um because it's like all right you're going to this step and so you just open up the camera on your phone and it hits that 2d barcode it pops up the video for you ah so you don't even have to look online that's interesting yeah so 
kudos to them. You yeah, know, for they that. leverage technology to make it make sense for How the end user. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like I said, like, I should have watched the videos every time I was doing a step. Yeah. Because I was like, well, I know better. You know, the typical male ego kicks in. <laughs> you know, I took it apart. I can put her back together. Yeah, right. You know, so, yeah, to be humbled. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. that'll happen. Yeah, such is life. <laughs> so a ratio kit. So if you've got a 11-speed SRAM shifter and you kind of wish you could get to 12, but you can't afford it, you can turn what you've got into 12. And I think they have the cams to take your 10 to 11 if you want to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think you can even go 10 to 12. That'd, that'd be interesting. I got to double check. Yeah. So if you're interested, yeah. go to the website. I guess old SRAM stuff sitting around, I might try to do that try to swap yeah. some stuff out and see what i can come up with actually i'd be kind of interested to see if you could do it with a flat bar shifter because uh i have something sitting around that i could do that with i've got a whole bike that's just kind of hanging around i would so. almost <laughs> and don't quote me on this one i'm just spitballing here and i don't see a reason why it would not work i almost wonder if you just had the cassette and you had a rear derailleur already and you already had a 12-speed shifter for mm-hmm. a flat bar, could you just modify the rear derailleur by itself? Sure. You know where I'm going in my Yeah, brain? I got you. You just buy the flat bar 12 and then get the ratio kit for the derailleur, yeah. and boom. I don't yeah. know why not. And you buy like an NX. You yeah. buy like a SRAM NX. It's just fairly yeah. inexpensive. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I have to look into that, mess around with that. We're I got to be told I get, that we're wholeheartedly wrong on all this later probably but, hey, you know, that's why we have comments yeah we have people <laughs> yelling at us already so yelling at their radios or whatever they listen to us on Ooh, or don't turn that dial yeah all right <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i forgot who i was talking to i was like yeah did you ever have to move the antenna and put tinfoil on the antenna to get oh, reception yeah? and you know on the tv did you have to play with the little scroller <laughs> you know what i mean they're like looking at me they're like what century are you from? <laughs> I was like, you ever spend a night at your grandparents? Come on. Uh, oh, man. So let's take a minute and talk about our one of our old uh, sponsors, Core 4. Core 4. So I got to meet uh, Alex today and uh, was talking to him a little bit. So um, it sounds like uh, interesting things are going to happen with that event. They're going to do some tweaks. And I think you're going to hear about it in the future here. So uh, you might, if you're from Iowa and or from the surrounding Midwestern states and you want to do core four, I think you're going to be excited. Uh, the way Alex was talking to me today, sounds like they're going to have some neat, neat, new little tweaks to the event that is going to make it better, I think. So um, really thoughtful stuff. So they, they really do a good job there of, um, you know, reaching out to event participants and getting their feedback. So, oh, yeah. And speaking of gravel events, we have a gravel amplifier today, don't we? Oh, yeah. I have one. Do you got one? I don't have one, so we're going to let you do yours. But gravel amplifier is the segment of the podcast where we talk about a gravel event that you would otherwise hear about and amplify it so you can check it out. So go ahead. Yep. And these guys were advertising at Colesburg as well. Oh, they were? Yes, yes, sir. I 
believe they're, we'll just call them gravel event cousins. <laughs> okay. You know, Colesburg's family tree isn't exactly like a telephone pole. They're starting to branch out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, I just know there's, I, it's kind of a local, it's a good little local community up there. They, yeah, they, they, to, yeah, it is. They seem to have their stuff together. Um, so this one is Point Pedal um, on October 28th in Strawberry Point. Oh, yeah. I did hear about that. Yeah. I'm stealing your thunder. And they have an 88-mile distance for 40 bucks. They have a 48-mile distance for 40 bucks. Uh, men and women. Um, like I said, it's on Bike Reg. And so for that much, um, it's... It's fairly inexpensive. Yeah. And um, the description for the, oh, there's also a 28 mile. I'm sorry. The description um, is fairly nice. Uh, I'm trying to pull this up. Uh, it's pretty hilly around there. Yeah. So their description is for the 88 mile course is ride the first 48 miles, ride the first 48 together, then continue on to Clayton County's highest hills, one yep. level B road for fun, right? Oh, yes. And then the 48 mile is enjoy 48 miles of gravel and paved roads through towns and backbone state park. Okay. So they're going a little south then. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's a little easier down that way. Yep, and yep. if you know Backbone, you know Backbone. They right. do rock climbing in there, so you know there's going to be a little bit of climbing in there. Yeah, they, well, you go down in the River Valley and come back out. Yep, there's yep. great big steep climbs. Yep, and there. it'll be paved, so you mm -hmm. don't. The only thing I'd worry about is sand in the corners. Um, yeah, the road's fairly straight, if I remember right. Yeah, there's a couple of there's a couple of little bends, but yeah, yeah I wouldn't worry. Too I almost much packed about it in once. That's why, but it was oh. also early spring. Sure, the sand was probably still on be, the yeah. It'd probably be fine. Though. But we've been in that trout. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, 28 mile is going to backbone and back. Yeah. So, so that wouldn't be too bad. Yeah. No, 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 no. Then strawberry easier. point is if you're into beer, strawberry point is near El Cater that has a bar or yep. a restaurant um, that has a lot of beers on tap. You're also near Kalmar, Iowa. You're also near Decorah, Iowa. Both of them have a couple of microbreweries in yep. each. So if you're into microbrews, you're in the right darn area over there. Yeah. And Strawberry Point has a actual strawberry-shaped water tower. Yes. So it's worth going into town to check that out. And I think they used to have an ice cream place that had a strawberry on top, I think. Yeah, yeah. probably They do. really owned that strawberry. Yeah, they like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you go, uh, I hope they use this road. There's a road that comes out of Strawberry Point to the northwest, and it's called Mission Road. And it's actually an old military trail from the 1800s. Probably going to a mission. Well, it was uh, originally started in Dubuque, and it was a road that they used to supply Fort Atkinson, which is up to the northwest of Yeah, Strawberry Fort Atkinson. It's in Fort Atkinson, which is kind of neat. I'm trying to think of them. Um, it's, it's south not, of Kalmar. Yep, yep. So, and then after the military abandoned that trail, it was a supply route for pioneers that were settling in Iowa from yeah. Dubuque because Dubuque was the only place you'd get household goods and wood and stuff to build homes and whatnot. Yeah. So, that was all shipped out that way on wagons before yeah. the railroads came. 
And then Fort Atkinson turned into a Native American holding pen a little bit. Well, that was the whole reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. If you go back into history, they were trying to settle uh, disputes between tribes because they'd moved people from Wisconsin over to the Iowa Territory and they didn't get along with each other. Yeah, it was the Sioux and the Sock and Fox and yeah. I didn't want to call it a prison. It was like literally. They I were, say literally. It, it was, was literally to keep one the, group of people yep, from another. It was literally really, to keep the peace between yeah. tribes, which it's, didn't work out. It's just weird. That whole history is just weird. Yeah. Some of the thoughts we had back then were just goofy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You you pushed the Iroquois into Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of Seneca in Wisconsin. Are there? Yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, everybody got shoved of, west. Yeah, yeah. The movements of humans is yeah, it's not, not a great story for yeah. mankind at whole. No, nope. so. and we still deal with the fallout today. That will never stop. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, just want to touch on a couple things that are going on the writing gravel site and on my blog. So uh, those links to those will be in the show notes, but um, Matt Gersub MG, he got a 12 speed GRX group speaking of 12 speed and he's testing it. So you can look on the site. We'll put this link in the show notes, as I said, uh, so you can read the review of that. His initial thoughts on the GRX 12 speed stuff. And I am doing a deep dive on where geometry for gravel bikes may have come from. If I just watch Instagram, it's 1996 mountain bikes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not so much. (laughs) Did not sense the sarcasm in my... I know, I I heard it. (laughs) I, I do have a request for listeners, though. You do? Yeah, outside of liking and subscribing to our podcast. But um, one of the things I've started is I know my local bike collective here in town does ex- does do scrapping operations with metal. Mm-hmm. So if there's a bike collective in your area, just go down there and ask them, hey, do you guys collect scrap? And then the bike parts that I have that are left over, like chain links and shifting cables and all that, mm-hmm. I'm just putting in a little you know, a little plastic bin. Yeah. And I occasionally go down there and drop it off to them. Yep. And, and then they get it responsibly recycled instead of having just go out to your local landfill, which is yeah. really dumb. Yeah. They might get a couple nickels out of it, but yeah. still it's, it's, yeah, it's you're doing the right thing. Repurposing your resources. Right. So we support that, uh, for wherever you're at. And of course here in the Waterloo Cedar Falls area where we're at right on. So, uh, we want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Guitar Ted Podcast. Like and subscribe. Share with your friends. Uh, thanks for the great feedback we've been getting lately. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, until the next one, we'll see you all later. <laughs>